Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to Generations Church Podcast. We are in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. Hello, everybody. My name is Scotty Hines. I'm a pastor here at Generations Church, and alongside of me is my co-laborer of the gospel, Pastor Jeff Luddington. Jeff, how are you, my friend? Man, I am well. You excited? Yeah? I am, man. I feel like, you know, you and I are getting this rhythm. Yeah. We did the first several episodes with with Pastor Vinny. Rest in peace. He died. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. He didn't die. That's right. He's pastoring another church. That's right. I forgot. No. We we disowned him? Did we do that? No. I'm not sure, man. He may disown us. He's in Idaho. Well, I'm I'm, see if we say this, maybe we'll know if he's listening because we get a text (laughs) message whenever he listens to this, you know. Hey, man, we are in Lord's Day 12. And so for anybody who's listening, maybe you're joining us. Maybe you saw Pastor Scott or I post this on a social media site. You clicked on it, listened to it. Maybe you've never listened to this podcast before. So let me give you a little intro. It's like walking in the middle of a movie. Um, But we're we're doing a series through the Heidelberg Catechism, something that is a 450-year-old document. And it was written for parents to train their children in the faith. And so it's, it's written really as a father or mother would, uh, would teach or train their children. And so uh, we use it often as a, a, you know, a person, a Christian who's more mature in their faith, uh, taking a, another Christian who is still learning and is less mature, taking them through their faith. And so that's how we're going to read this. I'll, I'll ask the question. Pastor Scott will answer it. Uh, I ask the question. The second person like, why do you... And then Pastor Scott, when he answers, he answers in the first person, I believe this, or because of that, whatever, right? Yeah. We do this like a father to a son, or, or like a discipler to a disciple. And it's uh, it, this is week 12, or it's called in the original form, Lord's Day 12. They imagine the week starting on Sunday, and this being a week-long thing that you would memorize and train and, and teach your kids. And so that's how we're doing it. We're on week 12, Lord's Day 12. We're in the second section of the Catechism, which is uh, about grace. So where we've been is the past section was about guilt. We talked about our sin, our need for a Savior. Now we've moved into the section on grace. And we're right there in the weeks that are talking about who Jesus is. So we're right in the thick of who is Jesus. And we're going we're gonna to spend some time on that today. So Pastor Scott, here it is. Question 31 asks this. Why is he, meaning Jesus, called Christ meaning anointed. Because he has been ordained by God the Father and has been anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher who perfectly reveals to us the secret counsel and will of God for our redemption. Our only high priest who has redeemed us by the one sacrifice of his body and who continually pleads our case with the Father and our eternal King whom governs us, governs us by his word and spirit, and who guards us and keeps us in the redemption he has won for us. I ain't gonna lie, I love that bottom part where it says he has won for yeah. us. It sounds very victorious. Yep. So today has two questions and answers, but I want to take them one at a time. A lot of times we read both questions, both answers. We talk about the topic at hand. There's a lot. And I, I want to, if you're listening to this, as you were listening to Pastor Scott, recite the answer to me. My question is easy. Why is he called Christ, meaning anointed? Well, then the answer is a paragraph, right? (laughs) And I want you to hear this. When this was written, this was for parents to teach their young children. It's still done today. 
But a lot of adults look at this and they're like, no way I could remember all, I could memorize that answer, right? But we can. We just undersell ourselves. We just undercut our ability. Listen, man, I can prove it. How many of us know all the words to stupid songs on the radio, right? <laughs> and we do, right? And it's much longer than this. Yeah. We just have to commit the time, yeah, right? Just... It, takes, it takes some effort. But I will say this, in the answer, as beautiful it is, it says a lot. It does. I was in a men's group this morning. We have a, a, a 5 a.m. Uh, men's group that meets, and we just walk through Scripture and uh, use the term Christ. And I said, okay, so what's the simple definition I tend to use on Sundays when I say Christ? What, when I say Christ, like from, uh, from the pulpit on Sunday, I define it. Do you yeah. remember how I do it, how I use it? No, refresh me. I do, which put me on the spot, which is my worst no, position. No, no worries, man. This isn't in our notes. Everybody got to have some grace. So I always just kind of summarize Christ. It, now, Christ is the Greek word. Messiah is the Hebrew word. They're synonyms. They mean uh-huh. the same thing. Uh, the, the fulfillment of all the promises of the Old Testament, right? Okay. As God has promised us salvation all throughout the Old Testament, thousands of years leading up to Christ, it comes in the form of Jesus. Christ is a title, not a last name. You know that. Yeah. Most people know that. But sometimes we hear Jesus Christ, we think first name, last name. That's very American, right? Yeah, right, right. But he was Jesus of Galilee, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus something, right? Christ is a title. Christ really means he is the fulfillment of God's promises. Now, the catechism writes it this way. Why is he called Christ meaning anointed? Well, Anointed is kind of a church term. It's a Christian term, not a whole lot of other people. We don't use it in secular culture a lot, right? Sometimes in politics, well, who, you know, anointed that person king, you know, and, yeah. but, but we really don't use anointed, it's right? Usually, it's usually used in mockery. Yeah, it, it, who it anointed is. anointed you, boss? Exactly <laughs> right, yes. So, the, so why is he called Christ, meaning anointed? The answer is because he's been ordained by God. Again, another church term. Yeah. In other words, God has empowered him. God has called him or God has verified this is the one anointed means a giving of power to right mm-hmm. it's a it's a term that just really like nominated or chosen as a successor but that power in order to do it right so the answer says because Jesus has been ordained by God the Father and has been anointed or empowered or chosen with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher so it calls him a chief prophet and teacher Right? It goes on to say that Jesus is our high priest, calls him our eternal king. Right, like, That's a lot. But what a lot of people may not know, a lot of Christians don't know a whole ton about the Old Testament, the first two-thirds of our Bible. We should know more. Yeah, that's something absolutely. that's not exempt. Jesus didn't end that. Jesus fulfilled it. It's beautiful. We need to know it. But there are three main offices in the Old Testament. Office is, think of the office of president, the office of pastor, the office of elder. It's a role. It's a place of authority, right? In fact, so much so that the term, uh, many people like monks use the um, offices of prayer. These are times that have authority over them that they are called to pray. Mm. So really, office is a place of authority, okay? So the three offices of the Old Testament are prophet, priest, and king, right? So we know of prophets like we're teaching through the book of Isaiah right now that was an office he held that was a place of authority that Isaiah held right in the middle of Isaiah we meet King Hezekiah right that guy was a king he held an office that gave him authority well there were also priests right prophets would speak for God with God's authority God's word with God's authority 
kings would lead God's people, the community of faith, structurally, if you will. He would lead them as God would lead them. Now, it doesn't mean everybody did this right. This is what it was designed to be. Yeah. Priests were those like worship leaders, those mediators, those people that would go between the community of faith and God. They would pray for them, offer sacrifice for them, read scripture over them, uh, you know, lead them in worship, all kinds of things. And so why is Jesus called Christ, meaning anointed, the chosen one, the one filled with God's power? In fact, the answer says, with the Holy Spirit. Well, because Jesus was called to fulfill all those Old Testament offices, right? So he was come to speak for God, God's words with God's authority. He was come to lead God's people functionally, organizationally, or communally, right? The way God would have him lead it. And then he was to be that mediator between God and humanity. Yeah. And in that way, he becomes our savior. Literally, I love the image of Jesus. I mean, forgive me for the image, but Jesus on the cross. I don't want to say I love that. I mean, I do and I don't. That's a rough one, right? But I, I see Jesus suspended in the air on a cross. He is literally hanging between heaven and earth. Mm. He is literally suspended between God and humanity as our mediator, Mm. our priest, our go-between, right? Now it says he is our only high priest who has redeemed us by the one sacrifice of his body, who continually pleads our cause with the Father, that Jesus is our mediator. I love that. Yeah. No, and it's great too. And one thing too on that analogy you you give about Jesus standing or being, you know, as he's on the cross, the tree. And I know we're getting into some more symbolism, but the tree represents the curse. I mean, that's in Leviticus, you know, uh, and he hung on the curse, so he's taking the curse in our stead. You know, our Savior. That's exactly right. Yeah. Right. And, so he pays our penalty. He takes our curse. We were not. Okay, let me rephrase that. So we were designed to live and worship God and glorify God, but sin has separated us from God. Yeah our choices, and we inherited it from, you know, people before us, right? So so we're sinful. We're separated from God. The penalty for that sin is death. We deserve to die and be separated from God, yeah, right? Curse, yeah. But Jesus, God in the flesh, comes and takes that curse for us, takes death, so that any who are in Christ, who believe in Jesus, who live for Jesus, who are covered by His covenant, His blood, His redemption, <clears throat> excuse me, any who would do that, anybody who would place their life in Jesus, they don't have to have that curse. They don't have to be to die and pay that penalty. The penalty's already been paid. Mm. They don't have to be separated from God forever. Yeah. Right? But rather they can live in the community of faith. Now we're back to the three offices. They can live for God. So they can hear God's word with God's authority. They can they can they can know they have a mediator pleading their case. On behalf of them, that is Jesus, yeah. our great high priest, right? They know they have a leader who will lead them as God would have them, a king, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, you're so right, man. And one thing, too, about God people really got to understand is when he defines something, he's really, uh, there's a lot of meaning behind it. Yeah. There's a lot of meaning. So when God is giving Emmanuel, Christ, Messiah, you know, these names to Jesus, even the yeah. name Jesus, right. uh, they, they have deep meaning for a reason. I also th- I often think of John 1.1, 1, 1, mm-hmm. where literally Jesus is the embodiment of God's Word, Right, is what John is getting across. So when God yeah. speaks, creation it occurs. Yeah. And and when Jesus is that exact representation of His Word. He is His Word. He is. And um, it's amazing, man. 
It's you know, the, the Greek word logos there uh, is the word including the thought and the intention. Yes. The way it's defined. It's amazing. Like just to think of the word, the thought, the intention of God yeah. being Christ. I, I know it's one of the biggest things we lose with the English language. Like it's, so, it's so such a fluid language, but we lose depth mm. of certain terms. And I, yeah. I think that's the one bummer. And But... Praise God, there's still good teachers out there in podcasts like this that are reminding hearers about the importance mm-hmm. of these words and the significance they have for our salvation. Man, and we are just scratching the surface, Ooh. right? We're barely touching these things, barely right? Barely touching it. That's cool. So again, this Lord's Day, so Lord's Day 12, week 12, uh, today's podcast contains two question and answers. And I said I want to take them one at a time. Yeah. We hit one. We wanted to spend most of our time on one. So now I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you question 32. You're going to give me answer 32. And then we'll close with that. So Got it. it goes from why is Jesus called Christ, meaning anointed, and we've spent some time on the answer. It goes to this. But why are you called a Christian? Because by faith, I am a member of Christ, and so I share in his anointing. I am anointed to confess his name, to present myself to him as a living sacrifice of thanks, to strive with a good conscience against sin and the devil in this life, and afterward, to reign with Christ over all creation for all eternity. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Last week on last week's podcast, we talked about the gospel not being something that is in our past when we met Jesus, but it's the very power in which we stand and the very assurance and hope that we have that we will stand before him one day and we will live eternally with God. Mm. Right? That the gospel, we, that's the language we use. We never leave the gospel, right? The gospel isn't something back here and then we try hard. <laughs> the gospel is the very power in which we stand. And I love that and afterward to reign with Christ over all creation for all eternity, like the hope of the gospel is written into this. So the question is, but why are you called a Christian? Remember, I ask in the second person, right? And you answer in the first person. This is teaching us. This is us memorizing the truths of our faith, right? And the answer is because by faith, I am a member of Christ. And so I share in his anointing, like I share in the calling, I share in the power. So we talk about Christ being prophet, priest, and king, or the fulfillment of prophet, priest, and king in the Old Testament. And then we say, okay, now why are you called a Christian? Why are you identified by the name and title of Jesus, right? That's because we get to continue on, not as Jesus, but under Jesus, right? Not as the great prophet, but we then get to go and speak God's words with God's authority and God's anointing because of Christ. Yeah. We get to go share the gospel with others. Yeah. Right? We get to be not the king, but we we get to be a part of the kingdom, right? And we get to take that kingdom to others. We get to help culture see how God designed the community of faith to live and invite them into it. Absolutely. Right? We don't we're not the great high priest Jesus is. But we get to go do priestly things like pray for people love them, invite them into Christ, right? We have the opportunity to live as little Christ, if you will. Yeah. And I know somebody's going to take that wrong, but as little versions of Jesus still in flesh because of Jesus, yeah. empowered by Jesus, we get to go be Christ, if you will, to our neighbors, yeah. to our cities, to our communities, to our families even. Well, and it shows you the supremacy of Jesus to us because Jesus can fulfill all those offices within himself. Right. It takes the whole church collectively to fill those offices. And we still screw them up. And we still mess them up. <laughs> uh, but we can basically, essentially, uh, uh, we're reflecting them. Yeah. You know, we're reflecting his image. And, um, and, that's, and that's a great way to put it, right? We reflect Jesus to others. We reflect 
him being the great prophet, the high priest, yeah. the ultimate king of kings, we reflect that to others. It's nothing about us. Yeah. It's Christ in us. I am a member of Christ, and so I share in his anointing. Love it. That's powerful. It, yeah, and you know what? Just because we are reflections doesn't let... I mean, yes, we don't have the, the, the supremacy of Christ and the deity, but uh, I like to think of it, too, the more we reflect him and the more poignant we can get with our reflection, the more dynamic we can become. Let me illustrate if you take a mirror mm-hmm. and you, you reflect the sun off of it, sure. but if you control that reflection properly, you can light a leaf on fire. Yeah. I mean, so there's a lot of power we have within that reflection, but it takes us... And this is where we're learning these. Uh, the Heidelberg is taking truth, it's consolidating it, making it very um, rhythmic to mm-hmm. know and understand, and we could do a lot of good with it. You could do, a, cool. you could do a, lot of, a lot of good when you have truth just packed deep, deep, deep inside of your heart. Yeah. So, so this right here, man, it, it, I know this flirts with the whole gratitude section, the third section <laughs> of the catechism, but it says that I can stri- that I can. I'm sorry, present myself to Him as a living sacrifice of thanks. Like our job is to respond in thankfulness, right, and to strive with a good conscience against sin and the devil in this life. Like I can live with a good conscience, not because I'm good, but because Christ mm. is good. Yeah. Right. Because Christ has suffered for my sin. But he has given me the ability to live and strive and fight to be right in him by the anointing, by the empowering of the Holy Spirit, right? And then afterward, there, yeah. and we'll finish where we started, man, with that ultimate assurance, knowing that in Christ, we get to reign, live with God forever. Beautiful. Beautiful sayings. Beautiful sayings to end with. So anyhow, those of you listening, thank you so much. I hope you were encouraged. Uh, thank you for listening to your Generations podcast. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Get that truth impacted in your heart. Mm-hmm. Psalms 119.11 says, Your word I've hidden in my heart that may not sin against you. Memorizing his truth is an amazing thing. So please subscribe um, so you don't miss any episodes. And if you can, write a review wherever podcasts are found. We really appreciate it. Thanks and God bless. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church. G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at Gin Family Church.